It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilified. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday. Sundays come. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross. Healing forsaken by his father. Left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laugh. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands God, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a con. He is alive. He is risen. Death is defeated. Your sin erased. He is risen indeed.
Our video reminds us that a heart of the heart of Christianity is not on Good Friday, but on the fact that Sunday is coming. You see, we all need Jesus Christ to die for our sins on the cross, but the resurrection is proof that um, God accepted Jesus as payment in full. All right. As I was saying, Jesus was the, the resurrection of Jesus was the proof that God had accepted what he did as payment in full. You see, you can make an offer to buy a house, but until the owner accepts your offer, all it is is just an offer. But once the owner accepts the offer, you know you are going to get that house. We celebrate Easter because God the Father is saying to God the Son, what you did is accepted as payment in full. Now the amazing thing about the resurrection is that it caught everybody by surprise. And I do mean everybody. Now I want you to use your Holy Ghost imagination with me for a moment so I can just kind of get you to see a little bit of what the disciples were going through uh, that resurrection moment. Imagine for a moment what it would like be like to have someone you love go on a trip to Los Angeles and they're there to have a good time and they were going to catch United Airlines flight 570 to Cleveland at 6 p.m. on Friday. Now on Friday you don't know it but you've got your phone on vibrate and you've got it on vibrate almost the whole day. And, but this time you hear, mm, mm, and you go over to your purse or your wallet or your pocket, and you pick up the phone, but just as you do, the other person is hung up. And because you are one of those people who never delete your messages, they can't leave a message because your message box is full. Now, caller ID lets you know that it's the person in Los Angeles. And as I said, the person has tried to call you all day. But you think nothing of it because after all, they will be here in the morning. And as you are watching your television at about 9.15 that night and having a good time, you hear we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special report. And they say there's been a terrorist bombing in Los Angeles at Los Angeles International Airport. And that there were two explosions. One was in the hangar at gate 42. The other was a bomb planted on United Flight 570 to Cleveland. The plane blew up as it was taxiing down the runway. And they say, we warn you these next pictures are going to be disturbing. And then they show you gate 42 blown to bits and you can see blood scattered. And then they show you United Flight 570 to Cleveland coming down the runway and then it explodes into this huge orange and black ball. And when you see that explosion, all your hopes, your plans, your dreams for the other person are gone. And you're hoping somehow against hope that somehow they survived 
that terrific burst of flames. You frantically try to call the person on your cell phone, it goes straight to voicemail. After 24 hours when you haven't heard anything, you start to accept that this other person is dead. Family members have started to come over to your house. You're thinking about the memorial service that you're going to have. Your whole world seems turned upside down. Life is not going to be the same again. And your sorrow seems more than you can bear. And as you're staring out your window, you see Channel 5 News is pulling up. And the last thing you want to do is talk to a reporter. So you go out the back door onto your back porch. And as you're out there, your phone starts to ring. And again, you don't want to answer it because you don't want to relive what you've already gone through by explaining it to somebody else. But then you look and you recognize the number. And when you see the number on the screen, you answer it and you say, Hello, hello, is it you? Is it you? person on the other side says, yes, it's me, it's me. And you recognize the voice. And you run into the house. And you run in shouting, she's alive, she's alive, she's alive. And your family members say, what on earth is wrong with you? Have you lost your mind? Have you gone crazy? And you go, no, 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 she's alive. And you hold up the phone. And they give you, you give them the phone and they hear this other person's voice. And the person says, I tried calling you all day to let you know I wasn't going to be on the flight because I was going into the wilderness on a hiking trip instead and I wouldn't be able to contact you for days. But as soon as I heard about the plane, I called you because I didn't want you to worry. Now, although that family had gathered together to mourn and to comfort each other, how many of you know that phone call changed everything? All of a sudden, they had a reason to celebrate. Tears of sadness became tears of joy. Someone they thought was dead was actually alive and would be home to see them soon. How many of you know Channel 5 was going to have a whole different news story to report that night? Now the difference though between that story in your mind and the experience of the disciples is that they didn't just see a plane explode and have to wonder was Jesus on it or not. They actually saw Jesus being nailed to the cross. They actually saw the blood dripping from the crown of thorns on his head. They actually saw him stretched out wide and when he breathed out his very last breath. They actually saw when they took the spear and stabbed him in the side and blood and water came flowing out. They actually saw his lifeless body being picked up off the ground and carried to be put into a tomb. They didn't have to wonder about anything. They knew for a fact Jesus was crucified, he was dead, and he was buried. They expected everything to change in their lives.
All that talk Jesus had talked about having a new life in him seemed so empty. That challenge to become fishers of men and women seemed no longer relevant. The invitation to come and follow him seemed like it had led to a dead end. Now what were they supposed to do? And here it is Sunday morning and to top this off, the authorities are looking for them claiming that they had stolen his body. For heaven's sakes, what were they going to do with a dead body except bury it? And Jesus was already in the best tomb that money could buy at the moment, so it wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense. They had no idea that Jesus was actually going to rise from the tomb. You see, when the women went to the tomb that morning, they were trying to figure out how are we going to roll the stone away to get in to anoint his body. They just wanted to go in there and pour some perfume on it, kind of like we lay flowers at somebody's grave. They were doing it out of respect. Jesus had been buried so quickly after being crucified, they didn't get the chance to say goodbye in the way they wanted to. So when they got to the tomb and found that the stone had already been wears away, and they went inside, and they're looking around, and this angel appears and says, Hey, y'all, are y'all looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. This gave the women something to celebrate because Easter had made a difference. They come in running, shouting, He's alive! He's alive! He's alive! But their celebration is short-lived. The disciples said, first of all, y'all need to sit down. Y'all are confused. The stress, the strain, it's gotten to you. What you're saying is absolute foolishness. You're probably about to lose your mind. But those women were strong women. Strong enough to let them know, look at him. We know what we saw. We know what we heard. He is alive. And when Peter saw the women were not about to change their story, he took off running for the tomb. And when he took off running, John ran after him. But John was in better shape than Peter, so he passed him along the way, and he got to the tomb first. And when John got there, John, he just kind of peeked in to look. But when Peter got there, he pushed him out of the way and he went in to look for himself to see if he was in there or not. And they look around and they see the tomb was empty. But the tomb had to be empty. You see, they were looking for somebody alive where dead people hang out. How many of you know you don't expect to open a coffin and find a live person just laying there taking a nap? You don't open up caskets looking for live people. You look for dead people in caskets and coffins. Amen? Jesus on Easter Sunday didn't have time to lie around in a coffin. He had to ascend to heaven to his father. And then he had to come back again to talk with the disciples. Now, when the disciples come back, they're in this room 
sitting there with the doors locked tight, trying to figure out what was going on. Now, they got another problem. Not only had the women claimed they saw him, there's these two disciples who just got there from Emmaus, and they were saying, look, we, he, he came and talked to us on the road to Emmaus. He explained the scriptures to us. We went and sat down. He got some bread and some wine. And when he broke that bread, we knew right then it was Jesus. And before we could say another thing, he disappeared. So what should have been a reason for celebration was actually a time of division. Over on this corner, we have those who believe in the resurrection. Over on this side, we've got those who believe those people have lost their mind. And while they're having this debate, Jesus, he doesn't knock on the door. He doesn't pick the lock. He just walks right in and shows up. He shows them his hands. He turns and shows them his side. And they all of a sudden realize we got a reason to celebrate. And joy fills the room. You see, one of the proofs of the resurrection is that nobody believed it was going to happen. Even though Jesus had told them in three days, I will rise. The Bible isn't one book. The Bible is actually 66 books. And four of those books tell us precisely the story of the resurrection. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all of those books were written 20 to 30 years after the resurrection. People were still alive who saw Jesus when the books were written. So if Mark, Luke, Matthew, and John had made this stuff up, their stories would have been discredited and they never would have made it into the Bible because every book in the Bible was tested for its authenticity before it went into the Bible. All they would have needed was to have a group of people say, we was there, we saw his dead body after he was crucified. End of story. But it didn't happen like that. You know, people will often try to compare the historicity of the Bible with the Quran. Now, the Quran was written about 500 years after the last book that was written in the Bible. The Quran was written by one person over 22 years. And he claimed that the angel Gabriel gave him everything to have it written down and that God never spoke to him. The Bible, on the other hand, was written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years who claimed that God was speaking to them throughout the period. And before the books went in, they had to go through a rigorous test of whether this is really the word of God or not. And Jesus Christ himself testified to the truth of the Old Testament as being the word of God. 
The disciples had a reason to celebrate when Jesus appeared to them. You see, they went from a group of scared men and women who did not want to be associated with a dead Jesus to men and women who were willing to die before they would say, Jesus is not alive. You see, the resurrection of Jesus was not simply a story made up. There was an actual Roman Empire. There was an actual Roman emperor by the name of Caesar. There was an actual Roman official by the name of Pilate who had Jesus crucified. There was an actual place called Golgotha or Calvary where Jesus was actually crucified. There was an actual burial in an actual tomb owned by Joseph of Arimathea. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was an actual event. Jesus didn't just agree, I mean, appear to a group of disciples in a little room. First of all, there were a group of Roman soldiers that got paid to say the disciples had come and stolen his body. Then there were a group of 500 other people who saw Jesus all at the same time. Then Jesus appeared for 40 more days before finally going into heaven. The disciples, by the time we get to Acts, they are arrested, they're thrown into prison, they're beaten, and they are warned. You think we done hurt you now? If you say one more time that Jesus was raised from the dead, you ain't seen nothing yet. And they told the leaders, y'all do what you have to do, but we can't stop telling what we have heard and what we have seen with our own eyes. Christianity does not depend on whether you believe something is true in the book of Genesis or some other book of the Bible or not. Christianity depends solely on the resurrection <coughs> of Jesus Christ. Jesus told his enemies, destroy me and in three days I will rise again. He told his friends, I will be turned over to my enemies in Jerusalem. I will be killed, but three days later I will rise from the dead. His friend said, Jesus, quit talking like that. That's not going to happen to you. Jesus didn't try to run away from death. He faced it head on. The only way for Jesus to rise from the dead was if he was the actual son of God as he claimed he was. If Jesus is the son of God, then whenever somebody disagrees with Jesus, they are wrong. End of the debate. They are wrong. If Jesus was not the Son of God, then there is absolutely no reason for any of us to listen to him. Because he would have lied about the most important thing in the world, which is who God really is. Jesus said the whole world has disobeyed God. The punishment for sin... That disobedience is death and darkness for all eternity. But Jesus also said, God so loved the world 
that God made a way for everybody who wants to have a relationship with him to be able to have a relationship with him. It is by putting your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. We have a reason to celebrate because thanks to the re resurrection, our sins have been paid for in full. We do not have to worry about standing before God and hearing him say, depart from me into the place prepared for the devil and his angels. Now one thing God has done for all of us is God has put the thought of eternity in all of our hearts. Doesn't matter if you Muslim, Buddhist, Confucianist, atheist, unsure, there is something inside of you that knows there is something on the other side of death. Now we may differ on what we think it is, but we know there is something. People with near-death experiences, it doesn't matter what part of the world they are in, when they come back, they say, I saw this light and it was pulling me toward it. Now, the older we get, the more quickly we feel pull toward that light. We say it's time going faster. No, it's we running out of time because that thing is pulling us quicker and quicker. I can tell you this. Anybody who is 50 or older did not expect to arrive there as soon as they got there. Amen? I used to think 50 was an old person. You know how young it is to be 50 these days? <laughs> Think what you want. These bodies are telling us something else. How many of you got a body telling you you need to prepare to move on because this one is breaking down at, at warp speed? These bodies cannot handle eternity. And you know, when you look at eternity, everything else becomes almost insignificant. So what if you become a billionaire? When you die, you will be just as dead as the dollar-nair. <laughs> How many dollar-nairs we got out there? <laughs> Whole lot of us. Some of us feeling good because we thousand-dares. We still got to die too. You will still stand before God broke. So what if you become president of the United States? Do you really think God is going to go through eternity saying, this is president of the United States? Not hardly. So what if you are a great athlete or even a professional athlete? Don't you know there's no team waiting for your ability to draft you when you get dead? 
care how beautiful, how handsome you are today, it's going to pass. When I met Pastor Toby, I used to look a whole lot better than this. <laughs> and if some of you are honest, I know you still look good, but you used to look better than that. No matter how great your career is, it's coming to an end. You and I are going to die, and then we are going to live forever. Now, is that a reason for you to celebrate? Or is that a reason for you to be concerned about what's going to happen next? The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves there is life after death and that all of us are going to experience it. For the Bible says, we live, we die, and then comes the judgment. Now, many people walk around in their arrogance and defiance, but the only reason they can do it is because God is merciful. Their declaration, well, I just don't believe there is no God. And I ain't even going to think about God. The only reason you can do that is because God is patient with you and God loves you and God would rather wait on you to change than to give you what you deserve right now. Some of us are willing to wait right up until our last breath before we declare that Jesus is Lord. The sad thing is, some of us aren't going to know when it's our last breath. And we're going to slip into eternity before making that declaration. And the moment we die, we're going to recognize Jesus was right all along. But whatever decision we make before we die is the one we're stuck with for all eternity. Some of us are thinking, you know, Pastor Rick, one day... I'll get saved. How many of you know there's no date on the calendar that says one day? There are a lot of bad things that can happen one day. But the worst thing that can happen is that you slip out of this life without having confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Easter or the resurrection of Jesus Christ is proof that anybody who wants to be saved can be saved. For the scripture says, there is no other name given by which we can be saved. Henry Garrity wrote a book entitled Portraits of Perseverance. And in that book, he tells the story of a man named Carl. Carl was a very rich man who owned a very large estate through, the val through this valley. And he liked getting on his horse and riding through the valley and looking at all that he had owned and thinking to himself how well he had done and how wealthy he was. And um, as he was riding his horse, he came up over his hill and he saw one of his tenant farmers working. And the man's name was Hans. And it was lunchtime and Hans had set up a little table under the tree and he was getting ready to pray over his lunch and he thanked God for what he had and what a blessing God had been in his life as he bowed his prayer. 
And Carl looked at him and just kind of snickered at the old man because all he had to eat was a slice of coarse bread and a piece of cheese. And Carl said, if that's all I had to eat, I wouldn't even bother to pray. And Hans humbly replied, it's enough, and I'm thankful that God has provided it. Taken back by Hans's answer, Carl turned to leave, but before he could leave, Hans said, there's one thing I'm supposed to tell you. Tonight, or last night, I had a dream. And in that dream, I saw a beautiful valley. And as I was looking at the valley, I heard a voice say, the richest man in the valley will die tonight. The richest man in the valley will die tonight. And Carl looked at him and said, nonsense! Foolish nonsense! And he got on his horse and he rode toward home. And as he was riding, he couldn't get that out of his head. The richest man in the valley will die tonight. And up to then, Carl had been feeling pretty good. But all of a sudden, he felt like there was a tightness coming on in his chest. Could it possibly be true, he was thinking. Am I going to die tonight? And when he reached home, he called his doctor and told him of Hans' dream and the pains that he had been feeling. And the doctor said, well, it really doesn't sound like anything, but just to be sure, I'll come over and check you out, put your mind at ease. So he came over, and after examination, he looked at Carl. He says, Carl, you are as strong as a horse. There's no way you're going to die tonight. Carl said, well, I kind of feel a little foolish even listening to old Hans' dream about the richest man in the valley dying tonight, but I just wanted to be certain. So reassured, Carl went to bed that night, and the next morning there was a knock outside his door, and then another knock, and finally Carl opened the door, and a servant said, Carl, thought you'd want to know, old man Hans died last night. Truly, the richest man in the valley died last night. My friends, how rich do you see yourself? And what are you measuring your riches by? Has the resurrection of Jesus Christ taken the sting out of death for you? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, grave, where is your victory? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes all the difference. God is not going to change just where you are headed after you die. God wants to change us right now, right where we are. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the power that will change you from the person you are into the person God wants you to be. The power of the resurrection will set people free from addiction to cocaine, to alcohol, to heroin. It will free people from the bondage of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of resentment. It gives people the power to deal with crisis in their lives. It can put homes and relationships back together again. It can get rid of bad tempers, angry pride, arrogance, 
It can remove guilt out of your life from stuff you've done that you regret. It will offer another chance to anybody who wants a new chance at life. God will give you a totally different reason for living. I can warn you though, it won't be easy to live for Jesus Christ. But it will be worth it. Anybody can live for themselves. Only the brave and the courageous can live for God. Because it's a lot harder than you think. But it's the power of the resurrection that makes it all possible. Your life can become a life worth celebrating.